This episode is sponsored by Blockbases, your platform to navigate Web3 safely. Remember the feeling you have when you connect your wallet to a new dApp or smart contract, not exactly sure if this is safe or not? Well, Blockbases will answer that question for you before making any detrimental mistakes, risking all your assets in your wallet. With Blockbases, you can easily review dApps and smart contracts that have either been audited or hacked. All dApps and smart contracts have been graded with a security score. And if you find yourself wondering, hmm, maybe there were some shady dApps I connected my wallet to in the past. Well, Blockbases makes it easy for you to scan your wallet and revoke access to any dApps or smart contracts that pose a risk to the funds in your wallet. To try Blockbases today, go on blockbases.com. That is blockbases.com. So welcome everyone to the Cosmos Club, where we talk all things Cosmos, which we daily about what's going on. And then we invite interesting, fascinating, hardworking builders of the Cosmos ecosystem to spaces like these. And today we are happy to invite Brainjar from Composable Finance back to the club. Welcome back, man. Yeah, it's been, I guess it's been like uh, six months since we last chatted, right? I think so. Something like that. It feels longer. But uh, I think it's about, yeah, five, six months or something like that. That's nice. about right. But yeah, for anyone who hasn't uh, listened or re-listened to, uh, to the previous episode or haven't been paying attention in general, perhaps you could just give a, a bit of personal background on how you ended up uh, building and working on, uh, on Composable Finance. Yeah, sure. So I think um, my interest in crypto stems from you know 2012 or so. 2013 and um, I was always like the, the first actual way that I got involved with crypto was like local bitcoins just like buying crypto from random people um, which was kind of cool because I guess that was like the first actual decentralized application um, even though it's not actually an, an app um, but it was it was like you know fully non custodial etc. Um, and so I think um, from my perspective, I was sort of always waiting for things to flow into the more decentralized ways of doing things in the crypto industry. Um, due to the fact that I got rubbed on you know Mount Gox and many other Bitcoin exchanges over the over the years, and when DeFi summer started happening, um, I sort of said, wow, you know, this is, this is the time for crypto to really have its, its, uh, the actual use case of crypto to actually shine through. Um, and so, you know, Curve, Compound, Aave, all these things were really, really, I think, game changers across the board, right? Like no one had invented on-chain lending before, you know, these things really started to take hold and take shape. Um, so over time, I think what became really interesting was these things weren't just fads, but they were things people were actually using, um, much to a lot of people's surprise, I think, because, you know, suddenly you had Compound having, you know, millions and millions of TVL having just launched a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so over time, the interest in these applications became so high that 
ETH gas prices became just unsustainable. And that's when L2s sort of popped into the equation. And that's also, you know, when Cosmos, Polkadot, many other sort of ecosystems started saying, hey, well, look at Ethereum. Their gas prices are so high. We have an alternative way of doing things. And what I quickly realized after doing things in different ecosystems was the amount of understanding you had to have to be able to move seamlessly from these different ecosystems and not randomly send funds to some contract you never would have access to ever again um, was just like so high. Um, and it even took, you know, me quite some time to get abreast of all these things. And, and also I think the other thing that was, was troubling as well was like, um, just wallet UX was just not there. Um, you know, doing things on Arbitrum or doing things on Polygon and then trying to move back just like was a huge black box. Um, and so I started Composable with the idea of, can we actually change this user experience for people? And if so, what are the necessary primitives to do so? And the first thing for us that we discovered was like a huge necessity was introducing decentralized, trust-minimized bridging technologies. And so our love affair with IBC began and... Uh, <laughs> You know, we've launched, since then, we've now launched IBC between Polkadot and Kusama, and also IBC between Polkadot and Cosmos, and many other networks to come. Um, and so, but that really is just the tip of the iceberg, right? Like, bridging is one small piece of the broader equation, which is how do we bring about actual change to users such that they use the ecosystem without having these crazy ux overheads yeah and i want to dive into that of course but um, before i do just uh, perhaps just tell us a bit about how you first got uh, or first started to pay attention to cosmos was it ibc that really struck out uh, for you or what was the uh, eureka moment if you will before we uh, dive into uh, your work with Polkadot, cosmos etc yeah so i read the original cosmos white paper and I um, was really excited about this vision of every app being its own chain. This was also why I was interested in Polkadot as well. Is like every app being its own chain is quite compelling to have, you know, flexible. At that time, it was it was interesting to think about a world in which every application could have a chain, one hundred percent dedicated to the use case that it was pursuing. Now, has that future actually materialized? Like, uh, I think we're starting to see some of that over time. Um, but I still think, honestly, we're still scraping the surface of app chains. You know, things like ABCI++, things like Skips, POB, Lane, Thingy, um, I think is also really exciting as well. Um, and so, so I think now, you know, 2023, we're beginning to understand, like, why the Cosmos white paper was so beautiful back in the day. Um, 
but I think, uh, um, you know, obviously the strongest selling selling point to me was also the fact that there was this bridging protocol that was actually envisioned, unlike Polkadot, um, to be extended beyond just Cosmos app chains. Um, whereas XCM was sort of, there wasn't a, a ton of talk about that in the original Polkadot white paper. And so I think, you know, that was my like entrance into Cosmos. Maybe uh, let's take it further to Polkadot also and talk a little bit about the uh, the sort of different approach that Cosmos and Polkadot has. I mean, for anyone who hasn't been paying much attention to Polkadot, which most people probably haven't, uh, in our community at least, they are mainly focused on Cosmos. But I think most people know that, okay, Polkadot also tries to solve interoperability, maybe with a different approach, but still they, they're trying. Um, and then, of course, Cosmos with IBC. But yeah, maybe just from, uh, from someone like you who knows a lot about this, how is Cosmos and Polkadot different in their approaches? Um, maybe it's a bit of an unfair question, but uh, I'll ask it anyways. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I think basically the ecosystems are converging slash started with a very similar vision in the beginning, like app chains with distinct messaging protocols between them and the prioritization of, of security, right? And so, like, what does that actually, you know, what did that actually mean? Well, basically, Polkadot said, okay, first we're going to build a really high security environment with a framework that every parachain has called Substrate. And after that, we're going to release XCM and have these parachains talk to each other using this shared security environment. And then we had Cosmos, on the other hand, develop the Cosmos SDK and then focus on IBC afterwards um, and, and deliver IBC as sort of like the first feature of Cosmos app chains. Um, and now you see the focus on ICS. Um, so, so all this is to say, basically, from, from my perspective, like both ecosystems are very similar, but very different. I think the thing that Cosmos um, has that sort of, at least the, you know, the Polkadot ecosystem sort of doesn't have um, is a willingness for um, experimentation with other ecosystems and also time to deployment. Like spinning up a Cosmos chain is a couple of commands. Um, spinning up a parachain, on the other hand, as people from our team will attest to, is is very hard. Um, and and actually, like maintaining this thing in a very not super flexible environment. Although these things are changing over time with some of the recent Polkadot up, upgrades, um, you know, is is quite time-consuming and, and resource-consuming as well. Um, and so that's why I also think a lot of teams that are trying to launch their own app chains are, are going for Cosmos chains versus parachains because, because of the time for, for actually launching these things and building these things within Polkadot versus Cosmos. Beautiful. 
Beautiful. And uh, without further ado, let's talk about Composable and what you guys are, are building because bridging, obviously, we know uh, has issues, inherent issues. Um, so how is Composable and what you guys are building, perhaps also with Picasso uh, on top, how is that safer, if you will, or better uh, than the current solution that we have? Yeah, so current solutions that we have revolve around, you know, do a transaction and send it to a multi-sig, you know, or, or a validator set, essentially, and just assume that um, these solutions will, will work. Or just like, I guess people say, trust me, bro. So we're living in a bunch of, of we're living in an ecosystem where like Axelar, Layer Zero, et cetera, um, no matter how much they say that they're decentralized or they're taking steps to whatever, whatever, at the end of the day, it's a trust me, bro bridge um, <laughs> that, that requires people to constantly maintain that trust me, bro bridge. And if those bros decide to disappear, um, then the bridge disappears with it. Um, and so, you know, IBC is the complete opposite. So IBC was designed with the idea of, you know, you, you have two chains and all you need is a relayer network in between to pass consensus proofs between them. Not only does this mean it's 100% based on code and no centralized third parties, but also the important thing is as well is like this thing can last forever as long as there is someone to relay a channel um this channel can exist basically forever and i think that's that's pretty powerful because like when we're building systems for the future of global finance uh you know you don't want something just going down uh and like requiring a whole like multi-sig reset, et cetera. Um, so from my perspective, there's been, you know, we did a huge study on the bridging landscape before we actually settled on IBC. And we just felt that IBC had had the best sort of um, qualities of solving this like bridging scalability trilemma, which was trust minimization, um, Number one, number two, um, liveness, which is like, again, if you have a relayer, you're, you can continue relaying packets and the channel exists. And number three, um, accepted standards. Um, like you have ICS 20, you have different specifications that people actually use and it's been battle tested and like in production for quite some time, right? IBC has mm -hmm. been around for two years to two something two and a half years now um and it's it's just worked um you can't say that about basically any other protocol i think indeed and how does that tie into the bridge to uh, polka dot because you guys are obviously focused on this so um yeah talk to us a bit about that and uh, going beyond just quote unquote ibc yeah, so basically, IBC, like I had mentioned from the, you know, when I mentioned the Cosmos white paper before, IBC was always envisioned to exist 
in different ecosystems and be extended to different ecosystems. Now, the problem is IBC pre our work um, was simply not ready for that future. Um, relayers were still, you know, Cosmos SDK chain specific. Um, light clients within IBC Go were also still Tenorman chain specific. Um, and so we essentially had to build, we essentially had to extend the IBC protocol to be able to build, you know, Polkadot to Cosmos transfers over IBC. And so what we have in production is, um, is exactly how IBC works between two Cosmos chains, but actually, you know, is between a Cosmos chain and a Polkadot parachain. And the components to make, you know, that had to go into this to make this a reality were basically, we had to extend, you know, IBC Go to include different types of light clients. We had to implement a light client on, the, on our parachain. And we also had to build a brand new relayer from scratch. Um, so, so, yeah, so essentially... Um, not only did we extend IBC to Polkadot, but I think we also laid the foundation for there to be other uh, non-Cosmos blockchains connected over IBC in the future. Beautiful. Just uh, out of curiosity, I think uh, this is something that you guys have been talking about in, in the past, but for anyone who hasn't been paying too close attention, Why did you decide to start with Polkadot? Um, Polkadot and Cosmos, I think most people know, it's, it's almost famous for fighting each other. Um, and I think it's I think it's great, uh, really, that Composable is just addressing that head-on and bringing the two ecosystems together. But uh, yeah, just uh, now that we have you, Brain Jar, why did you decide to start with Polkadot? Was there a technical reason or that was just uh, the first thing that came to mind? Yeah, so I think there's like two core two or three core reasons. So the first thing is we started out as a Polkadot parachain because our thesis was um, Polkadot is the highest security environment for bridging. Now we have ICS. That's not necessarily true. Um, so, so we started out as a Polkadot parachain. Our vision was to, you know, to make this parachain somewhat of like an IBC hub, but benefit from the security associated with, you know, the Polkadot ecosystem. So I guess historically, um, that was like the first reason. The second reason is I enjoy chaos. Uh, and as you mentioned, both ecosystems have been at war for quite some time. But what's interesting is that both ecosystems are um, excited, right, and actually care about their ecosystems. Um, And I think that bringing these two communities together over time um, could lead to some pretty constructive results as a result of, you know, this, this, this sort of um, maximalism that you see on both sides. And, and I think the third reason was um, from a technical perspective, uh, not only is, you know, In, in, in the ICF's original mandate, it actually says, you know, 
building the interchain for Cosmos and Polkadot or something like this. And uh, so there is a lot of early work done on how do you bring, um, you know, IBC to the Polkadot ecosystem, but no one ever really followed through. Um, and so, you know, we had some, I, I wouldn't say it was like an amazing foundation, but we had some foundation and people at least didn't look at me like crazy when I suggested the idea. Um, so, so yeah, so I think from a technical perspective, it also made sense to start with Polkadot versus had we started with, say, Ethereum. I mean, Ethereum just went through the merge just last year. Before the merge, IBC was not even possible to Ethereum. So I think we also wanted to start with an ecosystem where it was actually possible. Makes sense. Makes sense. And just to go full circle, um, there's something also uh, called Picasso, not the artist, but something you guys have built, uh, which would be great if you could just uh, briefly uh, mention that. And then on the back of that question, when you explained Picasso, talk to us a bit about the uh, the recent updates on the connections, new pools, incentives. Like you guys have a lot of things going on. You're a humble man, great job. But uh, I think now is the time for you to. Uh, to uh, to brag a bit <laughs> yeah for sure so so picasso is our kusama chain but for us you know i sort of see it as this dichotomy between you know anoma and namada uh basically like you know anoma is like their their uh you know intense chain and sort of Namada is like their privacy chain that they're doing a lot of testing work with basically. And I think it's, I think they borrowed this concept from Polkadot and Kusama where like Kusama was designed to be this, this ecosystem, um, you know, dedicated to testing and Polkadot was supposed to be like deploy in production. Um, my belief has always been, however, that like, the people who actually want to use these these uh, protocols and projects and these connections would always live on Kusama versus Polkadot just because they're degens. Um, and so Picasso is our chain on Kusama that's live, that is the connection to the broader Dotsama ecosystem for Cosmos. And again, the reason why we did that is because we believe that as we roll out all of these different use cases, most likely people in Kusama will be early users versus pe people in Polkadot. Um, and so examples of these use cases, we're currently working on setting up a supercharged liquidity pool for Dot Osmo, um, removing Axel Dot um, uh, incentives and migrating those to, to our pool and also just removing you know, Axelar as the canonical bridge to, to Polkadot and having, you know, our IBC connection be canonical. Um, so we're doing a bunch of things with Osmosis, namely about driving, you know, people to actually use DOT in, in Dexland. We're also doing a bunch of work with the Neutron and Astroport team to bootstrap uh, DOT pairs as well, um, looking at perps, with uh, Levana, um, and then pursuing governance proposals with Agoric, 
Umi, Mars, and a couple others um, to create, you know, DOT as collateral for loans, but also for IST. Um, and then, you know, some other interesting use cases we're looking at are, um, there's the obvious, like, bring DOT into Cosmos, but there's also the less obvious bring Cosmos assets over to Polkadot. So right now we have a DEX called Pablo um, that has, you know, liquidity pools like Atom, ST Atom, you know, DOT, ST Atom. Um, and we're also setting up a STARS pool that's going to get incentivized with STARS as well. Um, so yeah, we're trying to really cover our bases here and like introduce DOT as a proper blue chip asset for the Cosmos ecosystem. And vice versa. Is that correctly understood? So also bring exactly. it to, to Cosmos. How has that been received? Um, so I think most people have at least seen the DOT asset on uh, Osmosis, Kujira, whatever uh, people use uh, in Cosmos. But uh, out of curiosity, what, what has been the, the sentiment from uh, the Polkadot system when they see ST Atom, for example, Liquid Atom, or yeah, the, just the Atom token in general? Yeah, so I think the the interesting metric here to study is like um, velocity of money, right? So mm -hmm. in Polkadot, the velocity of money, meaning like the number of times DOT is exchanging hands and, um, uh, you know, like uh, just moving around the ecosystem it within Polkadot is much, much lower than the velocity of Atom or Osmo or Axel USDC within the Cosmos ecosystem. So what this means is like the willingness to try new things, I think, is much higher in Cosmos than it is in Polkadot. Um, I don't particularly understand why. I think people in Polkadot also don't necessarily understand why either. Um, I think the issue was that Polkadot became highly centralized exchange oriented at some point versus, you know, Cosmos. Like Osmo just got listed on Binance like maybe a couple of months ago and was just like only on Osmosis for quite some time. So, so... I would say, like, it's not like people hate that we brought Adam over to um, the Polkadot ecosystem. I would just say that, like, my guess would be when all of these use cases are fully manifested and we have, you know, liquidity in all of these pools and people are doing things, my guess is there's probably a 90% chance that most of those users will be Adam slash Cosmos users. Uh, versus Polkadot users. Makes sense. Makes sense. And yeah, I asked the question, obviously, because uh, the two ecosystems have been battling. But I think, at least from my standpoint, um, there's not that much hate on the DOT token itself uh, that I've seen uh, in the Cosmos ecosystem. And you see that just by looking at how many places you can trade and uh, use the DOT token for all kinds of DeFi, DGEN purposes. So, uh, so great to see uh, it goes the other way also. Adam uh, is uh, popping up in the Polkadot ecosystem. 
maybe uh, Brainjar, I can get you to talk a little bit about about the space that you're in. Uh, you mentioned already um, we got the multi-sig bros <laughs> uh, with bridges, um, but there are also others that are trying to uh, to have a more decentralized approach. Let's call it uh, like like you guys. Hyperlane comes to mind. Uh, there's a few others. Um, maybe you can talk to us about that and and if there's any work being done together uh, because I think there's a lot of thing a lot of people especially in Cosmos that that wants to see a more decentralized approach uh, wants to see the IBC approach if you will maybe you can talk to us about that that space that, that you operate in yeah so there are people who operate in extending IBC to other ecosystems such as us and such as polymer and then there are people who take shortcuts and pretend and masquerade as though they're doing decentralized solutions. But really, it's just a different flavor of trust me, bro, uh, like Hyperlane. So from my perspective, like the, the reason why people or projects like Hyperlane pop up is because building IVC to other ecosystems is hard. Um, like it took us two years. Um, but because we've done the work to extend IBC for the past two years, it's going to be like infinitely easier to continue to do so. And I think that the excuse that people have always said, I mean, even in the, you know, there was a hyperlane post that said, uh, that caused a, a bunch of like, uh, friction a couple of months ago where Noble was saying, oh yeah, we're going to work with with hyperlane and in hyperlane's post it said cosmos uh, sorry ibc has not been extended outside of cosmos which is a lie because we have ex extended it but the other thing that they said was always the excuse that for instance layer zero uses which is um, bringing light client verification to other ecosystems is both expensive and difficult well with our work it's not difficult necessarily anymore. And with the power of uh, zero knowledge technology, um, it becomes much cheaper as well. And so a lot of these things, a lot of these, you know, it's 2023 and people are still saying these like baseless um, claims. And I think it's, you know, I think it's important that we recognize that like, we're being finessed, basically, um, and and uh, you know to support the projects that actually do bring IBC to other ecosystems. Definitely, couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, and that brings me to the question about next ecosystems. I mean, uh, you guys have a lot of things on the roadmap. You already mentioned um, a few things, at least. But uh, I think the, the elephant in the room, the big question is, you've done a lot of work with the, with the Polkadot ecosystem, you started there at Cosmos. Uh, what's next for you guys? You, you've been working on this for two years. Uh, I'm sure you've been uh, at least talking about what, the, what next ecosystem to throw, to throw yourself at. Yeah, so the next ecosystem is without a doubt Ethereum. Um, and I big think- one. The big one, yeah. So, and I think like, you know, um, the other thing that we have to think about when we bridge to an ecosystem like Ethereum is like, we need more security. And so um, 
you know, our Cosmos chain that we operate that is sort of becoming this like IBC hub, um, we're going to apply to be a consumer chain essentially, or like, I guess, post on the forum or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think that's really important because over time, um, you know, the vision of the Cosmos hub was always, we want to become an IBC router, I guess. We want, we want IBC traffic to flow through the hub. And, you know, we want to be able to have the Atom token benefit in some way from the proliferation of IBC to other ecosystems. Well, you know, with our Cosmos chain becoming a consumer chain, that vision can finally be realized. Um, and so I think it's pretty compelling. Not only is it compelling from a narrative perspective, but I think it's also important from a security and technical perspective because um, as things like Eigenlayer and, and other sort of security as a service protocols pop up, um, Cosmos is not necessarily benefiting from those protocols. But with something like ETH IBC, it could. Um, and I think basically we want to be at the forefront of like helping projects not only connect to Ethereum, but explore what they can do with, you know, different types of security and also, you know, different use cases. Um, I know I'm sort of like running around in a circle, but, but yeah. Super exciting, man. But uh, a question that pops up immediately, in my head at least, when you mention Ethereum, is um, is Epmos. How is this uh, different from, from Epmos? Or I think they, they just came out with uh, what they call Dynamic IBC, if I remember correctly. So, so how, how is this different, basically? Yeah, so Epmos is... is so, um, so Epmos is not doing Ethereum to Epmos IBC. Uh, they're doing like, um, they're mirroring Ethereum onto a Cosmos chain. So their competition is more so Optimism and Arbitrum, more so right. than, you know, more so than, than say, Composable. However, one of the major, you know, benefits of being a roll-up is you have a native bridge between, you know, L1 and L2. And... Evmos never had that, right? They never had a bridge between Ethereum and and their chain that was not called, you know, Nomad, rest in peace, or Axelar. Um, so I think it's going to be a really interesting situation for Evmos when we do have ETH IBC, like will liquidity start flowing from Ethereum into Evmos? I don't know. Um, interesting. Interesting. And learning from past experiences, you, you mentioned that you worked on this for two years. Um, I mean, um, what has this been, main challenge has been uh, getting to the point where you are right now? Uh, and what can you learn from that when you address the behemoth called Ethereum? Yeah, so like teams who have never put anything in production don't understand what it means to put something in production, um, <laughs> right? And like, well said. It, it's 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 so true, and I think like you know, Neutron's listening. I think Neutron understands this more than 
anybody else like it's really really hard like talking about something and then actually going and doing it like doing it is cool but putting it into production is like a whole other ball game um like you know things break uh emergency fixes etc like our thing um as we saw with ICS recent you know with the with like the whole debate of over like the double signing whatever slashing thingy that ended up not being a, an actual issue but but whatever like th systems in production that are decentralized are very difficult um and so you know um i think that this is you know, one of the strong suits that we have, right, is we had built all these things. I mean, we were basically finished with Polkadot to Cosmos IBC in like January, uh, but we spent so much time perfecting things and getting them ready for production, um, you know, and, and it took us some time to actually get to that point. But now that we actually understand how to deploy these systems into production, I think it's a skill set and a value and a sort of knowledge base that many other people in the ecosystem just simply don't have. And it's not something you can teach either. Um, and so like props to our team for like really grasping this concept. But I think that's like the biggest learning, right? It's like all the different components to actually build this thing, you know, have their own complexity, but actually deploying the system in production making sure it works and is live um, is quite challenging and complex. So if I was to say, like, if there's one thing we learned from that experience, it was, you know, production-grade decentralized systems are hard. Beautiful. And you know what the people say, Brainjar? Real men, they test in production. I don't know 100%. if you guys did that. <laughs> Well, we, but, we we definitely tested in production before going to uh, before releasing it to the community. Absolutely, like we we'll do the same thing with ETH as well. You know, we, we have a beta testing group in our community that um, you know that we airdrop a bunch of tokens to, and we had them test in production before we rolled this out to the community. Beautiful. I can't help but think uh, what you guys are actually heading towards uh, in the many years to come. You uh, obviously talked a little bit about the roadmap. Feel free to elaborate also what's to come in the short term. But I think what I'm more curious to ask is, uh, what's the big vision here? What's the end game, if you will? There never is an end game. But if you were to say an end game for Composable, what is that? The first thing that comes to mind, if I was to answer that, is that everything, all chains use IBC. But I'm not sure. So I, I wanted to to ask that question to you. Is that the end game or what is the end game for Composable? So, yeah, I think the end game for Composable is order flow. And what I mean by that is basically in a world in which every chain is connected via IBC, which is going to continue to be our bread and butter. And, you know, we'll be working, you know, after Ethereum, there's many other chains to choose from to do IBC that we're looking at. Um, but the actual game for IBC to actually, the actual game is then use IBC for something. And the benefit that IBC has over um, other bridging protocols is 
you now have this system that is cryptographically you know, secured via consensus proofs. What this means is now you can build primitives on top of these like trust minimized primitives to allow for people to actually do stuff more than just token transfers, right? So, so swaps as an example. Um, how I envision things eventually playing out is um, a user starts from any chain, says they want to do something, um, a route is computed for them in a decentralized way, and this, you know, a bunch of these different solutions come together for a partial block, and we essentially send these blocks via relayers um, to different, you know, block builders or validators directly themselves. So, 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 what does that actually mean? Like translation. A user starts on any chain, says they want to swap something, and then, you know, IBC occurs across different locations to make sure they get the best possible execution. Um, I've always wanted to recreate, you know, in equities, we have this concept called a dark pool, um, whereby, you know, you submit a trade via Robinhood and it gets broken up into thousands of tiny little trades, um, but you end up getting the best execution. And you end up also trading for free because Robinhood and other market makers front run you, but they pass this revenue back you know, to the user and hence now you have a free trading experience. Um, we're starting to see things like this pop up. You know, Flashbots has introduced MEV share where if your transaction generates MEV, you actually receive a portion of that MEV back as the user. Um, could this mean, or, or rather, this means to me that the future in which a user trades for free because they're generating MEV um, is potentially possible. And so what we're interested in doing is like um, having an end-to-end -end system for originating, processing, and settling order flow, 100% um, powered by IBC. Interesting. Interesting. Assuming that you built that, um, what about the user experience? You talked about in the beginning the uh, need or the urgency for creating wallets for, that people understand, essentially. Is that also something that is needed? Perhaps it's not something that Composable will build, but if you are really to, to build this end-to-end order flow, you need to have a user interface that people understand, right? 100%. So, so we are working on, on, on an interface like this, definitely. Um, but we can also collaborate with the likes of you know, Phantom, etc., Phantom Wallet, Kepler, etc., whereby like all the user has to do is submit a string. Like I want to do X, Y, Z thing. Um, if we get to a world where say you start on Solana, but your trades happen on Ethereum and you control your assets on different chains, all from a Solana wallet, as an example, I think that's like the, that's essentially the end game, right? Like one cryptographic, identity, um, you know, interest in doing something on chain and having things just happen. 
Um, I think that's like, you know, I don't know how far out that vision really is, but we're at least hopefully playing a, a small part in, in, you know, bringing these bits and pieces together to make this possible. Awesome, man. I mean, every time I have conversations with people building in Cosmos, I always get the more, more bullish, not just in Cosmos, but in crypto in general. Uh, the things that we're building is just, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's groundbreaking. Um, I know price action doesn't support that argument, but uh, it, it's just really encouraging to see uh, what people are building out there. So let me ask you this. Uh, this is something that I always uh, like to ask uh, towards the end. How can we help Composable succeed? Uh, you guys have been building heads down for a long time. You guys have set, uh, built something in production, shipped uh, something into production. How can we help you uh, continue on your journey and uh, make sure that Composable um, continues to ship in production? Yeah, for sure. So I think there's two, I mean, first of all, use the, you know, use head over to app.trustless.zone and give us some feedback about what the experience was like for you to bridge Adam or dot back and forth. Um, the other thing would be we have, we currently have a proposal up on Polkadot um, to try to get a $1 million loan from the treasury in dots to, to bring those dots over to Cosmos DeFi. So if you have any dots, feel free to vote yes <laughs> on that proposal. Um, I think that'll be really helpful to get the word out and actually get these use cases fundamentally ingrained in the bedrock of Cosmos. Um, so yeah, I mean, and of course, you know, follow us on Twitter and keep attending fantastic spaces like this one. Amen to that. Amen to that. So uh, I cherry-picked different questions from the community throughout the space. We will make sure to DM people uh, to ask for their wallet address so we can uh, provide the giveaway, distribute the giveaway. Any last words, Brainjar, before we close this thing off? I know you guys are busy, so uh, I don't want to leave you hanging for too long. Yeah, no, uh, thanks so much for, for having me and always a pleasure. And I guess when we get, when we get closer to... ETH IBC and maybe once we've posted our ICS proposal would certainly love to come back and and uh, chat more because I know ICS is a touchy subject for people sometimes. <laughs> there's always drama in Cosmos. It doesn't matter what you propose, there's always going to be drama around it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming back on. And yeah, we will definitely make sure to uh, stay updated and share the news and invite you back on when you guys uh, feel like it. So yeah, thank you so much, Brain Jeff, for coming on and uh, say hi to the team. Yep, take care. See you guys. Take care, man. Ciao. This episode is sponsored by Blockbases, your platform to navigate Web3 safely. Remember the feeling you have when you connect your wallet to a new dApp or smart contract not exactly sure if this is safe or not. Well, Blockbases will answer that question for you before making any detrimental mistakes risking all your assets in your wallet. With Blockbases, you can easily review dApps and smart contracts that have either been audited or hacked. All dApps and smart contracts have been graded with a security score and if you find yourself wondering, hmm, 
Maybe there were some shady dApps I connected my wallet to in the past? Well, Blockbasis makes it easy for you to scan your wallet and revoke access to any dApps or smart contracts that pose a risk to the funds in your wallet. To try Blockbasis today, go on blockbasis.com, that is blockbasis.com.